You're listening to the ProcureTech Podcast, your weekly show for all that's cooking in the digital procurement space. Yes, we've got the hottest startups, thought leadership and conversation from visionary industry experts and definitely no stiff corporate content. I'm your host, James Meads, procurement pro, digital nomad and ProcureTech fanboy. And now here's this week's show. Yes, welcome to another episode of the ProcureTech Podcast, where every week we bring you everything that is innovative, exciting, and actual up-to-date in the digital procurement space. This week, we round off our fifth in our series of e-sourcing interviews. And this week, while we often like to feature new startups on the ProcureTech Podcast, there's nothing like talking to a very well-established company in this space as well, to be able to leverage their knowledge of over 20 years in this space. So we're going to be having a chat today about how to use all of that data that is contained in their platform to be able to predict and advise and consult with their clients on on what works and what doesn't. Because let's face it, if you've been in this game for 20 years, then you're going to have a lot of knowledge and a lot of data to share. And well, it's a good, unique selling point in terms of being able to offer that to your clients. So this week's guest is Henrik Balslev, who is CTO of Danish-based e-sourcing and source-to-contract platform ScanMarket. Henrik, welcome to the ProcureTech podcast. Thank you, James, and thank you for the introduction. Excited to be here to uh, talk into the world of, uh, of e-sourcing and uh, source-to-contract. And you guys have gone through a pretty busy time recently, haven't you, with a recent acquisition and a rebrand. So, uh, yeah, just give us a quick introduction to ScanMarket, because I guess a lot of people who are listening to this will have heard of you, but you're clearly very strong in your native market. Um, maybe for our international audience, just give us a quick overview of, of how you've evolved and what your uh, and what your key points are, and then we'll dive straight in. Sure. Um, yeah, it's been extremely busy, uh, busy, uh, busy times uh, recently. Um, but uh, you know, if we if we go back and just quickly look at the history of Scan Market, we were founded in 1999. So basically, we've been in the source to contract space pretty much since the beginning of that. And our birthplace was actually uh, e auctions. And from our e auction module, we have then expanded out to cover the entire source to contract space with um, with overall six different modules, speaking into spend analytics, project management. Uh, of course, ERFX, e-auctions, contract management, and uh, and 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 supply-based management. So really covering that entire upstream procurement uh, uh, process and how we can help our clients uh, evolve uh, in there. And um, we are. Um, we are nowadays uh, uh, completely global in regards to our outreach and also our uh, customers that we are that we are working together with. And I believe the number was last year we had users in 86 different countries and total logins to our system from 171 different countries. When we also look at uh, suppliers logging in, so so truly global uh, global uh, organization in regards to our uh, clientele, where we are working together with more than 350 different types of customers and companies uh, uh, worldwide. And then, you know, uh, um, recently uh, we had the pleasure of welcoming in uh, um, a, 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 a Swiss-based company called Simfact uh, AG, and they are a, a, 
experts and I would say best of breed within uh, contract lifecycle management, legal entity management and third party risk management. Um, and we uh, acquired them uh, last week and are currently onboarding them. So busy times there. And then we've had, as you said, a rebranding uh, of of everything uh, that that we that we launched uh, three, four, three, four weeks ago. So a lot of exciting uh, news and, uh, and, and stuff that we are working with and constantly, uh, you know, lo- looking to see how we can improve uh, our our product portfolio, but also how we can improve on the service and the experience that our that our customers have when they when they interact with us, either uh, as a, as a, as a partner or, or uh, when they're logging into the system, of course. And in terms of size of business and industry sector, how how has that evolved, or how do how do you see the future in in that sense in terms of the segment that you're that you're going after? So in terms of the segment that we are going after, I would say our our uh, typical client would be somewhere from one to twenty billion uh, euro turnover, an international company with 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 um, with a with with a user base that is uh, that is typically global. Um, and and industry sector, we're not really uh, um, specialized or focused on certain sectors. This is something that everybody in a procurement function definitely would would be able to utilize. Um, of course, there are some verticals where we are stronger than others. So especially uh, food uh, manufacturing and retail are some of our stronger sectors. But we really have all verticals. But we really have customers in in all lines of uh, all lines of businesses. Um, but but that, those are our those are our typical ones. But we all. We also have uh, uh, national players. We have, uh, uh, of course, also clients that are larger than what I just uh, uh, said before. So yeah. at the end of the day, uh, wherever we can apply a value, then, you know, that's, 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 the, that's, that's our focus. No, awesome. I, I asked the question because, I mean, this is an increasingly crowded market space and there seems to be, you know, the obviously different solutions providers are positioning themselves towards different ends of the market so it, it but it's so it sounds like yeah, you're definitely going after enterprise level clients but not necessarily you know the fortune 500 you know the top top huge international corporations so it's good to set that context especially you know when we talk about e-auctions there is the, there is a, a perception out there that you need to be a certain size to be able to really get the most out of out of e-auction and e-sourcing software so i think i, I was I was curious to cover that off, especially yeah. being such a well-established player and having evolved over the years. So how have e-auctions evolved since 1999? I mean, I go back to 2003. I did my first one in the automotive industry. You've been around even longer than that doing them. So what have been the major trends over that period of time? I absolutely love e-auctions, and 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 this is uh, this is where I you know get my get my fun so to speak. I, I've been I've actually been doing e-auction statistics since 2006, and have been monitoring that really really uh, really really closely. And 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 I think, you know how how have they how have they evolved? Um, you know. I think it's a question of that 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 how are they being used now because it it is much more now being used as 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 an everyday tool but also being used much more much more professional. Uh, I think in the old days you had a tendency of saying it was only purely on price and 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 from from the start of the process you said yeah this is a reverse auction or this is a Japanese auction but but you weren't really making an informed decision on what would be the 
best setup and the right setup. And and I think that's what we are seeing more now. Of course, you still have users just blindly going in and saying, yeah, we this is we can run this for any auction and we'll run it as a reverse auction. But 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 where we see best in best in class companies and we are seeing much more of those, uh, and that has that has evolved qu- uh, quite significantly over the past, let's say, ten years is that now it's more a part of their, you know, embedded part of their toolkit. So once they have done the pre-qualification phase together with their with their suppliers and they have an, and they have an understanding of the competitiveness in the market, what other factors besides price that can drive their decision-making, then they are making an analysis of what will then be the right uh, strategy for their negotiation. Would it be a face-to-face negotiation and what strategy should they then apply? Or would it be an e-auction negotiation and what strategies should they then should they then apply? What uh, event type should they choose, or auction or auction type, and which which functionalities should they uh, should they turn on or off, depending on that precise competitive situation that they find themselves in, and how should they incorporate all of these other factors into the auction? So it's not only a, a, a discussion on price, but you are really evaluating them on total cost of ownership, and I think that's the biggest change. So it's used much more strategically, and it's used much more you can say professionally and i think that's yeah. that's the change probably and you hit on a good point there because there's there's this huge sort of maneuver now from you know corporate procurement departments historically especially if you go back 20 years were predominantly engaged in the sourcing of direct materials and especially in industries like automotive and and food and and a couple that we touched on there's obviously huge spends in that area that are geared up to auctions because you're 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 sourcing against a very specific specification and there's a limited number of suppliers in the marketplace and that's let's say the classic e-auction when you now move into an area of more more areas that were traditionally unmanaged areas of spend by procurement i'm thinking specifically on services are you seeing successful e-auctions in that space for sort of for services that are not commoditized, shall we say? Oh, absolutely. Um, and and if you look at the service category uh, on its own, uh, you know, it's always been on the top ten. Uh, a list of, of most e-auction areas, and we we actually uh, issue a, a a top ten most e-auctioned area list every quarter and every year. And uh, and if you don't follow us there, then please follow us on LinkedIn or go to our website to see the latest reports. But what we have seen in the past couple of years is that services have actually moved up moved up the list. And and uh, in 2020. There it was. The, then it was the first time that it was the most e-auction area on all uh, on all categories, and that trend has actually continued into 2021, where in each of the individual quarters so far in 2021, it's been the top most e-auction uh, e-auction category um, across all the categories that we are seeing run through on the system. So it's certainly something that you can run e-auctions on, and it's certainly a category that are that 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 you often see a lot of auctions on. Then if you dive into the service category on its own, then of course there are categories in there that is not the easier categories to, for example, start out with on your e-auction journey because there can be a lot of stakeholder preferences internally. It can be difficult to really uh, compare uh, the offers from the different suppliers and, 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 and also specking this out properly. But there is a, but there's many, many other categories where or many, many of these subcategories within services that you certainly can and should be considering auctions for. 
So just a quick interlude because there are a couple of things that I really want to make you aware of because I think they will be valuable for you. So number one, we now have a monthly newsletter where we bring you curated content of everything that's happening in the digital procurement space. If you want to get that, just head to procuretechpodcast.com forward slash newsletter, enter your name and email, and we'll get that delivered straight to your inbox. Number two, if you're a head of procurement or a center of excellence leader, and you're perhaps a little bit confused or overwhelmed with what's out there as best of breed digital procurement technology, especially if you're a mid-sized business, schedule a call with me. There's a link at the bottom of the show notes in this episode. Just hit that schedule a call link, and we can have a quick chat to understand your challenges and what potential solutions out there may be suitable for your organization. And now let's get right back to this week's show. When it comes to onboarding and design of an e-auction for something like services, what what do you see as the critical success criteria? Because when it's when you're sourcing goods, then you just need to make sure that you have a robust spec and that you deal with the fact that the incumbent is clearly going to have a huge advantage because of validation and qualification. On services, it's a lot more nuanced, isn't it? So what from the data that you're seeing, are you finding that users are able to run, you know, start to finish e-sourcing events on a platform like Scan Market, or are they are they using an, an e-auction or an ERFP as a way to sort of narrow down the field and then take it offline after that? Well, you can certainly run it uh, through through the entire process through the system. But I think the beauty of this is is that you should use the tool when and where it makes sense, and and especially also considering the combination of of using an e auction with an, a final end to end face to face negotiation. Because at the end of the day, it's a question of how do you optimize your your negotiation process in the in the best possible way, and that will depend on that precise competitive situation that you're finding yourself in and the complexity of the category or the product or service that you are actually purchasing. And that is driving or that should be driving your strategy for for your negotiation. And that could be also, as you say, a combination. But you can certainly run that easily, uh, the entire process through uh, through an e-sourcing system like ours, if you if you if you wish to do so. But the beauty of of combining it, let's say you're in a situation where it is difficult to spec everything out and there are things you do need to negotiate face to face or clarify face to face well what do you then do is that we typically see that you then have clearly defined and spec'd out parts of this and this is where you will run the auction on that uh, on those on those elements and then clearly communicate to the to the suppliers that the two best the three best suppliers from the auction will be invited into a final face-to-face negotiation where you will then sort out and 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 negotiate the remaining parts but what the beauty for you is that you have the suppliers up against the you know the rest of the competitiveness or the competitive market that you're in there they are being met with that in the auction environment and you only have to spend your precious time dealing with the most competitive suppliers from that from that competitive landscape that you're in now that's what you need to spend your time on face to face so i think it's 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 there you're getting the best of uh, best of two worlds really so it's allowing you to get to that point faster it's reducing the end-to-end cycle time of the actual event 
exactly and at the same time uh, engaging the suppliers in the in the directly in the competition in the market and getting those dynamics and 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 synergies out of the auction uh, 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 to to reduce your uh, your price points which you will then take with you into your face to face negotiation as well so yeah so with all of this data that you've got from 20 plus years of of being in this space how do you translate that into something tangible that one of your clients can then take and apply? Are, are, there, are there any certain categories of spend where you repeatedly see success or, or even failures for that for, for that matter? And you know, with, with the fact that you've got in-house consulting, are you be, are you able to, if a client comes to you and says, hey, we've got this category, do you have any data on what the success rate has been on these types of RFPs? Is that is that something that you're able to provide them? Because having data is great, but you, I guess you need to be able to convert that into some sort of tangible outcome for the for the client. One hundred percent. We certainly are able to do that, and we certainly have the data. But but to be honest, I don't care about the category whatsoever. I think it's always a question about that precise competitive situation that you find yourself in, because the same category for one company it, 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 it can the competitive situation there can can differ quite tremendously from another company that is running the same category and are buying the same thing. So it's a question of that situation that they are in specifically and then from there again you define what will then be the right uh, be the right be the right strategy but of course we have a, an insight into uh, you know if you look at the competitive situation that you are in here what is the value if you work with your product specification to wide that more to hit more suppliers or if you go out and source for additional suppliers to widen your competition what is the value on 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 that and statistically when we have when we are looking through hundreds and hundreds of thousands of e auctions we can see that by bringing in an extra supplier you are saving 1.11% more which is uh, which is valid up until you hit 7 8 suppliers in total in your in your in your negotiation phase where we no longer can track the value of adding additional suppliers in there yeah, and then you see the law of diminishing returns, and it just creates more work to evaluate all of the different bids and everything. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly. Yeah. And then, of course, we can uh, we can then look into based upon that group of uh, suppliers. Then, based upon what is your aim with your negotiation, because it could be that the aim is not really price. Uh, you know, only that it's looking at getting uh, getting getting the right price, right? Right. It could also be that you are looking into uh, uh, um, uh, cost avoidance or price compression or developing your supply base or increasing, decreasing the number of suppliers. Then, Especially then based... in an inflationary market like we are in now. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Then then it's then then it's looking into that and saying, okay, this is your aim, this is your situation. Then how can you best achieve that with the combination of auction types that are available and different functionalities that you can then switch on and off. And of course there we have comprehensive analysis on, you know, what are we seeing in a in 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 general if you if you if you if you apply this or if you apply that and then matching that up against that situation that you're actually in and then making that informed decision and recommendation from our side this is then the strategy right do you, do you still see a lot of examples of suppliers refusing to participate or or, or is you know how or how would you as a as a service provider especially as as a service provider that has you know in-house consultancy in terms of helping the client and and and, and the supplier how, how do you encourage it to make participation easier other than obviously user experience 
Yeah, I, I I think nowadays most suppliers are uh, have have been exposed to e auctions and have participated before, and and I think where where you hear stories where uh, suppliers are are reluctant or or are unwilling is where they've had bad bad experiences where a uh, where a buyer has not run a robust process, has not communicated properly, has not conditioned the supplier properly in how he's going to run the process, right. and and what are the rules of the game and how is he going to allocate the order? Because if you have done that properly, then we have never experienced issues from the supplier side because actually there's a lot of value from them to participate in an auction as well. Yes, sure, they will face tough competition. That's the name of the game. And of course, incumbent suppliers will, as a rule of thumb, try to avoid an e-auction if they can if they can get out of that. But if you communicate clearly, you condition the suppliers clearly, then they can also see the value of what they're actually participating in uh, and also encourage or, or, or you can say uh, um, reassuring them that, that we are not only evaluating on price. I think that's one of the biggest um, uh, uh, myths out there that, that e-auctions is only on price. Not at all. And it should never be only on price. It should, of course, incorporate all other things that can, uh, all other factors that can influence your your decision making. And then it's up to you as a, as a buyer to make sure uh, 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 that you can actually quantify the value of those different factors so you can incorporate that into the auction and you are running this based upon total cost of ownership. But I think where you have uh, 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 had situations with supply being negative about auctions is when they've had those bad experiences and where it's not being used properly or and I would say typically around communication and conditioning in terms of the data that you see in supplier participation do you um, do you generally find that participation is harder where the incumbent is in such a strong position because on the one hand challenging suppliers will will see it maybe as a tick box exercise whereas on the other hand the incumbent especially if they're quite close to important stakeholders, may approach it from a position of arrogance and say, we're not participating. I think it's again how you are, how you're running the process as a buyer, right? If you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're running a serious process, then people will also it, it will also engage and participate in that. Uh, if, they, if they don't feel that you're running a serious process and you're not communicating this uh, properly, then, then, uh, then you might be in a situation as, you, as you've just explained here. So for me, it, it's all, uh, it, it, this has nothing to do with the tool. It's more about how you're running the process and how you are communicating this. Uh, and I think that's the, that's the essential part because at the end of the day, this is just a tool that is in the toolkit of the buyer. With what you're offering on the back end, with, with with in terms of the support that you offer in house, you're you're kind of in the middle. On on the one hand, you're competing against a lot of the big sort of enterprise level suites that you know we've all known and heard of that are perhaps a little bit more impersonal on the on the customer success side. And then on the other hand, you've got the new sort of upstarts that are really focusing on on user experience and agility. And if you're kind of positioned in the middle there. How are you able to then leverage the data that you have and your customer service, uh, your customer success team, um, to to give you a competitive advantage in in in, in such a hard market that you're playing in? 
I think at the end of the day, there are two things that is important uh, in our opinion to become successful, right? Uh, first and foremost, or oh, there there are several things, but let's just uh, narrow this down. First and foremost, I I, I, I agree uh, when you see the new upcoming companies that they are very much focused around the user experience. And that's also, that's always been our focus area as well. You know, if, if, if the system is not intuitive, if it's not straightforward to use, uh, uh, then, you know, nobody will really use it. And then it's then it's worth nothing. So so the, the the UX or the UI needs to be very intuitive and very straightforward. And then of course you still need to have all of the advanced functionalities, but that should be behind the user interface, and that you can then uh, enable in in simplified matters. But for us. And, and and our focus is 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 really it's all about the people. As I said before, it's it's nothing. It's not so much to do with the system, but it's more the people that are actually using it. So so we are very much a, a believer of not just selling a piece of software and then leaving it up to our clients to become successful with that. That is something that we very actively go in and 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 actually run and 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 drive together with our with our clients. Because whenever you introduce a new system in, you really need to be mindful of managing that change management process and making sure that 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 there are a, a clear you can say goals but also enablers for the users to understand how to actually how to actually apply this in the best possible way and that is something that we are very much driving through our uh, through our customer success team and where i really believe that that, that we have a strong usps uh, uh, from our from our competitors out there because this this is very personal for us in regards to that we are really in there driving it together with our customers uh, and 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 making sure that they understand what is what is best practice and and, and and driving that, uh, you can say, strategical awareness and and knowledge about how to utilize tools tools like this, and then the tool itself should be straightforward and 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 deliver all the functionalities that you have a need for. But it's all about that change management process and that uh, driving of the of the you can say capabilities of the users that is important for us, because the tool should just do what it needs to do. Yeah, and have the complexity on the back end, but make it easier yes. for the yeah, make it easier for the user to be able to to design his event. Um, exactly. How, do you? I mean, as, in terms of the personal touch that you offer, and I, I guess that must play into your sales strategy and part of your USP. Then, because if you if you compare that to to more of a sort of IT ticketing service desk kind of customer support that you maybe see with some of these bigger competitors. Does does that and the uh, together with the ability of all of this data analytics that you've got historically is that a pivotal component of your sales strategy? Oh, absolutely. Um, um, uh, we, you know, as I said before, we are not here just to sell a piece of software. We we are really here to uh, to enable our clients and to help them on their digitalization journey of you know getting all these uh, getting all these tools in there and 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 used in in the best possible way. So. Uh, so we we in the sales process it itself we actually talk a lot about the implementation and and what we we have a what we call a a a, a success plus uh, uh, program where we really define uh, you know the KPIs and the objectives from uh, from from our customer in regards to this tool here and 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 we and we define together with them a driving team not only from Scanmy side but also internally from the customer side on 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 different levels in the organization and from that we then uh, 
create this project plan, which we are using and driving together with our clients uh, to to embed this and and manage the uh, manage the change management process. And that is then follow up with a number of different elements that we can do in regards to uh, reporting and follow up on this, but also in terms of the usage and evaluating the uses and how we can um, improve that. And then of course connecting our our customers with other companies on the same journey through different networking groups and all of that. So we do quite a lot on that. And then at the same time, making again sure that we have personnel that is experts in implementation, in the change management process and 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 what we are doing here. So we're actually spending a lot of energy on, on educating our um, our customer success managers and consultants um, and consultants as well. Are you finding um, that most of the customers that you acquire are switching from from an existing suite to Scan Market, or are they are they new acquisitions that are sort of brand new on their digitalization journey? What do you what do you see as the mix, or is it is it there is is there a difference geographically? It is, it, uh, uh, it is a mix for sure. Uh, um, we work with what we say greenfield and brownfield, right? So, so there is a lot of brownfield customers that are switching from uh, typically from a large end-to-end uh, system where they haven't succeeded in implementing this. They haven't succeeded in really embedding this into the organization, surprise, surprise. and they realize <laughs> we need to we need to have best of breed here. Uh, so we have a lot of those switching. Uh, uh, switching to those but then there is still and this is it still surprises me to be honest but there's still a lot of companies out there that has nothing today yeah doesn't so, doesn't surprise me the amount, the no, amount but, of companies and, and, that are and, still on email and excel okay maybe not in the 20 million euro or whatever it was you said uh, billion euro yep. uh, size but but yeah there's uh, there's a lot out there that still are Exactly. When you move down into the uh, into the segments, there, there, there's a lot of companies still out there not having any tools whatsoever. So, of course, we have a lot of greenfield uh, clients as well, and where we really uh, educate them on the on the concept on and 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 how this can how this can help them. Uh, 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 you can say in their in their in their different procurement processes and so forth. So, you know, there, there there's a lot of combinations there, and and geographically. I, I see the mix. We see the mix everywhere, to be honest. And industry sector as well, or? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Uh, uh, of course, uh, you know. I, I think if you take, if you go to retail, then most retailers have tools one way or the other, uh, uh, or have uh, tried this. Uh, um, but but you can still find retailers out there, which is completely um, uh, off the grid, so to say. Uh, so um, so yeah, 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 yeah. So final question, Henrik, the easiest one. If anyone would like to find out anything more about Scan Market or learn, about, or learn more about what you do, uh, where is the best place that they can get in touch with you? You know, uh, there are two places primarily. Uh, they can always go to our website, www.scanmarket.com, where we have a blog and we have a lot of interesting and uh, exciting articles and statistical insights and all of these things. And you can also, they can also choose to follow us on LinkedIn, where we also post a lot of what's what's going on and 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 also insights and uh, and uh, and uh, value adds and all of these things. Uh, so those are the primary channels that I would uh, that I would recommend. And of course, then they're always uh, uh, more than welcome to reach out to us as well if they would like to understand more on how we can help them and how we can potentially um, work together so and the data analytics reports are on your website as downloads aren't they Yes, exactly, exactly. And we are posting every quarter uh, top 10 most e-auctioned areas and insights into that. And then we have a more comprehensive report that is uh, launched every year uh, looking into what are we seeing 
across uh, thousands and thousands of auctions, uh, also geographically, what are we actually uh, uh, seeing there and, and what are the learnings or, or, or you can say takeaways when looking at it from a statistical point of view? Henrik, it's been an education for me to learn more about all of this different data that you've got and how that drives customer success uh, with your users. Thank you very much for joining me on the podcast today. Good luck with your uh, ongoing rebrand and uh, an integration of, uh, of your new acquisition, who, whose name I've already forgot, Sim... Simfact. Simfact, yeah, Simfact. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, James. And yeah, keep in touch. Good luck. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, mate, and have a great, great day, yeah. That was Henrik Balsev from ScanMarket talking all about data analytics for e-auctions. If you're new to the e-auction space or if you don't have much experience and want to check out some of the data and content that they've got, then I will link to that in the show notes. Just a couple of quick things before we sign off. Please go ahead and follow us on LinkedIn at the ProcureTech Podcast and we will publish each week when we get a new episode. We publish it there on LinkedIn. If you like us, then don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast player, wherever you like to listen to us, where we'll get notifications as well of every week when we publish a new episode. We'll be back again same time next week. Until then, take care, look after yourselves, and bye for now.